Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, this is Joe Castellano from thesportsvirus.com. Welcome to the Inside China Basin San Francisco Giants baseball podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, featuring our regular guest, two-time World Series champion, former Giants reliever, George Contos. Gabe Kapler is not Bruce Bochy, so he's going to run things his way. And I'm sure with Farhan, they've had their discussions on what the best course of action is for the ball club. Inside China Basin is brought to you by Keynes Tire in San Rafael, the lowest prices in Marin County for over 60 years. Coming up, we'll talk about the Giants and Major League Baseball with Jerry Krasnick, a senior advisor to the Major League Baseball Players Association. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, Keynes Tire in San Rafael. When it's time for new tires, you want the lowest prices and the best service, don't you? Well, Canes Tire in San Rafael has you covered on both. Canes has the lowest prices in Marin County, and they provide the warm and welcoming service that you can only receive from a family-run business. Voted Best of Marin for 35 years in a row, Canes prices beat Costco's prices every time. Canes Tire, 1531 4th Street in San Rafael. Give them a call at 415 453 That's 415-453-2942 for Kane's Tire. Well, joining us today, the senior advisor to Major League Baseball's Players Association, Jerry Krasnick, kind enough to join us, a a former sports writer. And uh, Jerry, I mean, you were a longtime baseball writer. Thanks so much for coming on. And tell us about that transition that you made a couple of years ago, uh, going from ESPN and uh, all of that baseball writing to now working with the Major League Baseball players. Well, it was pretty interesting, Joe. Um, I was a sports writer for 38 years and I did Major League Baseball for three decades and uh, all good things must come to an end, right? (laughs) So uh, a lot of the, even my uh, compatriots out in San Francisco, you know, people like Ray Ratto and Henry Shulman and some of them have, uh, have, you know, moved on from the papers out there. And uh, so, you know, I was confronted at a, at a later age with, uh, uh, being out on the job market, and um, I always felt like I was sort of a, a player's guy, I guess, maybe a little more than a than a management guy. I, I don't think it's – I think most players, uh, most writers are, honestly, because you spend a lot of time in clubhouses. And, uh, you know, I, I really felt like I, I always wanted to try to get the player's point of view. You know, I just thought those kinds of stories – were the most interesting. So um, I joined the Players Association in January of 2019, and I've been there for two and a half years. Um, my title, Senior Advisor for Player Agent and Media Relations, which is a new title and kind of broad, but, um, you know, I've dabbled in a lot of different things, uh, you know, reached out and done some sort of, you know, outreach to players, but with COVID, obviously, not being able to get into clubhouses, that's made it kind of interesting and a challenge, too. So lately we focused on some more content-related things, and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, but you had a chance to uh, do it all as a baseball writer. Uh, and, you know, way back when, when you were 
uh, beat writer covering the Cincinnati Reds. I'm curious how that maybe formed a lot of your opinions about players because uh, you were with them when they won the World Series in 1990 and Lou Pinella was a manager. I remember Rob Dibble, you know, the Nasty Boys and all that stuff. And and even Pete Rose, you know, the whole controversy there uh, with his gambling Tell us how that maybe formed you as a baseball writer and some of the things that maybe you learned from covering that team. Well, I learned that uh, being a beat writer is hard, and I did it for for five years. And some writers really like the structure of it. I just found it was difficult. You know, you'd go to the park each day at 3 or 3.30, and you're, you're working the clubhouse, and you, you have to try to, come up with interesting ways to cover a team but I think it I think it did teach me a lot of discipline and you learn how to write every single day and so you know I, I think the main takeaway though is back when I did it just how things have changed a lot you know back then you'd uh, you'd uh, you'd get beat on a scoop and you'd have to kind of wear it for a whole day until the next day's paper came out or if you got a scoop you could gloat a little bit and <laughs> now everybody's racing around the clock to post things on twitter so i think it's gotten much more rapid fire and not necessarily in a good way but i, I you know the thing i always felt like was the relationships that you form with players and just trying to be fair and let them know that you know you're going to try to be thorough and accurate and try to form long-term relationships i think was a a lesson I learned pretty early in the business. You mentioned being a player's guy, and when you think about a clubhouse, how much do you look at that now, You know, being that you work with players quite a bit and the chemistry that's involved in a clubhouse? Because I think a lot of people are super surprised by the success of the San Francisco Giants because if they looked on paper before the season, they weren't going to be picked to do anything. But this team really has gelled together. They've bought into what Gabe Kapler is selling as far as, you know, the hockey line changes when he when he uh, brings in a whole different lineup, you know, pinch hitters and everything. And uh, you have to be unselfish to buy into that. Yeah, I mean, look, I, maybe I'm old-fashioned and I do understand the place for analytics, but think of it you know, anybody listening to your podcast, if you go into work and you like the environment, everybody is a team environment, everybody kind of works together, and you look forward to going in, aren't you going to perform better? So, you know, I think to just discount that, um, to me, is kind of short-sighted. I know, you know, I don't think, obviously, talent is going to win out, but I think in a baseball team or anything, if players like playing together, um, you know, if they if they help each other, if the veterans help the young guys, if if everybody accepts their roles and lives with them, I, I think there's value in that certainly. And as you mentioned with the Giants, uh, everybody keeps kind of predicting that well, this is the end of it, and it's not the end of it. I mean, they continue to play well and and definitely surprise people. Well, the Chris Bryant trade certainly is one that should have a major impact because of his skills, his versatility. But what about him as a person and the way that he might fit in with the Giants? Well, he's terrific. You know, he's one of those guys I think that when you get to know, uh, I just remember, you know, he was a kid who came in with a lot of hype and attention, and I just always thought that he handled it very well. He seemed very mature from the beginning, and as you also mentioned, he was a kid who 
seemed to accept his role. You know, they'd move him to third base, to the outfield, to here, to there, and he would play well and accept it. He wasn't one of these guys who said, hey, I need to be in one place. So a guy like that who hits with that kind of power, who has championship experience, you know, in in, uh, pennant races, and, um, you know, is is just uh, bent on winners. And with that talent set, uh, it's certainly a potentially very impactful addition for the stretch run. When you get traded at the trade deadline like that, how much of a challenge is it for a player? I mean, you got family to think about and all that, and you've been with one organization your whole career like Bryant has with the Cubs. Now all of a sudden you're in a new city with a new team. It's exciting. It has to be sort of rejuvenating in a way to join a first-place team, but what do you think are the challenges? Yeah, I think there are challenges, certainly. You know, you're uprooted from a place you've always been in, and, you know, I think you just have to look at it as he's a free agent, obviously. He has that for some motivation. And, you know, probably I guess the team that you go to can facilitate that transition, and that's where I think the guys like the Posies and Crawfords and Belts and Longoria. I mean, it's uh, the Giants are a very veteran team, and, they're going to do everything they can to make him comfortable. So uh, he sounds like uh, he enjoys being there, and he's he's pretty happy. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think there obviously are some uh, some challenges to it, but it's really just part of the life you've chosen. You know, as a, as a player, there are going to be times when you get traded and you move around, and, uh, you know, Chris Bryan is certainly – in the middle of that now, but if he can get to the postseason, then uh, he's he's going to be pretty happy with with the way this worked worked out for him, at least short term. You mentioned those veteran players on the Giants, and uh, I wanted to focus on three of them. You wrote a little uh, story on the Major League Baseball Players Association association website recently about Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, and Brandon Belt. And I didn't know this stat until I saw that you uh, pointed out that fewer than 10% of the 22,500 players or so in Major League history have reached 10 years of service time. It's really difficult to get to that point. And those three giants have done that. Quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's one of the things I've really become quite conscious of being at the PA or, you know, some of the things that matter to players. And when you talk to these guys, it's really, uh, it's interesting because when you get to 10 years, you're eligible for the full big league pension, you know? So a lot of people might look at it as, wow, it's a real financial benefit, but for the players, it, it that's to me really for most of them, if not all of them, a small part of it. I, I think it's such an elite fraternity and you know below 10 percent is is probably being conservative it's probably over the lifetime of baseball maybe you know six seven eight percent i'm trying to i'm trying to get my hands around exactly how much it is but it's hard to come up with the exact figures but yeah anytime a guy gets to that and the one thing i'm finding is that when you talk to these guys you know even the the really good players the the Posies or Mike Trout just got the 10 years. You know, you think, well, Mike Trout's going to get the 18 or 20. 10 is just something, uh, a box he's checking off. And you find that uh, they're all very appreciative of it, very conscious of it. To be part of that elite fraternity is uh, it's very meaningful to these guys personally. 
Well, yeah, and it has to be even more of a rare situation to be a catcher like Posey and make it to the 10 years. I mean, you're, you're just surviving behind the plate, and he is having a remarkable season, just rejuvenated in every way, and he's taken on a little bit of a different batting stance, so he took some of the instruction from the new hitting coaches, which is really saying something for a guy who has been as accomplished as he has, and you know, he had last year off because of COVID, opting out. Uh, everything that he's doing this year, what are your thoughts about the way Posey has gone about his business? Yeah, I mean, he's always been one of those guys. You talk about being mature and, you know, ahead of your years. He's always been that way. And, you know, when I talked to him for that piece, it you think about it, what was it, in 2011 that he that he suffered that horrific injury? Yes. So he's a guy who, how would he bounce back from that? I mean, it's easy to say now, hey, everybody knew he'd be fine. Well, he had to go through a lot, you know, and uh, the the interesting thing I think that he talked to me about was he said, look, I'd really, I'd love to be in the weight room just slinging the weight around every day, but the thing I've really become more conscious of is stretching and, you know, being limber and, and things with his hip and different injuries and, you know, just wear and tear over time, I think, uh, you know, the guys who get to 10 years or more, they learn to become very um, adaptable. You know, they find different ways to not only stay on the field, but continue to thrive. And certainly that's a testament to him. And, you know, look at the year Brandon Crawford's having. He was <laughs> he was always considered a, you know, a defense first shortstop. And now the guy just rakes. So, um, you know, these guys have... Uh, have figured out a way to adjust every single year to what's thrown at them and not only survive, but, but thrive. Yeah. I mean, Crawford really is having a great year and he's also changed his stance. I don't know that it's common that you see players who have this much experience that are going to change like these guys have. I mean, to listen to new coaches and these aren't coaches that had major league experience either. You know, the credibility, credibility factor. I don't know that it was there. I give them a lot of credit for being willing to change like that. Yeah. Look, the game has changed. I mean, uh, you know, some of the, the coaches have changed and, and, you know, some for the better in some cases, maybe not so much for the better, but communication between a coach and, a player being willing to accept new ideas and maybe change his, his approach. So, you know, there's a reason why these guys are so highly thought of, not only in San Francisco, but around the game. You know, they're competitors, but they're good teammates. They're, they're all about the team. You know, it's uh, – the, and, and look, they were all guys who, what, Posey was part of three world championships, Belt and Crawford two world championships, so they learned at an early age, uh, you know, what it takes to win, and uh, I think that's the other thing that, you know, I've become more conscious of at the PA is how veterans sometimes really have respect for veterans, and, you know, sometimes these guys that uh, maybe get weeded out of the game in their early to mid-30s, I think, still have something left to give, and Giants maybe will, uh, will help set a little bit of a trend here with uh with some of these veterans leading the way 
Yeah, and you have Posey, who, you know, the Giants have an option on him, and they're definitely going to bring him back. And Brandon Crawford, uh, he's also going to be, a, you know, in a free agent situation, but I would think that he wants to come back. The Giants want him back the way he's played. Belt might be a little more of a question mark because he's been hurt. Uh, he does have the career numbers that he would be attractive, you would think, to a number of different teams, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, the other thing, you know, for the piece I did, I spoke to John Barr, you know, who was the scout, scouting director who signed them, and he made a good point. He said, look, uh, you know, we knew right at the beginning that not only, you know, would these guys be offensive players, but they would contribute defensively, too. You know, they found ways to make themselves valuable. Uh, I mean, Crawford, I think, has won three gold gloves. Uh, I might be wrong. Posey won a gold glove, and Belt is right up there among first basemen and defensive runs saved. So when you have these guys, you know that on a day, even when they might not get any hits, they're probably going to do something to help your your team. So, uh, you know, I I just think the main thing that, uh, you know, I took away was how rare it is for – it's very rare. I mean, I I think the Phillies had it with uh, Utley and Rollins and and Ryan Howard and – you know, that group. Um, but it's very rare that you see three guys, um, you know, before that, I think you have to go back to the Yankees with uh, Jeter and uh, and Posada and Bernie Williams and, and that group. It's very rare that you're going to see, see, see a trio of guys begin their career with an organization and get to a full 10 years uh, without getting moved. So that's... Uh, been great for stability certainly in san francisco well that's a really good point let's talk about where the game is headed jerry uh you know you've got these shifts and it's kind of changed the entire way that baseball is played there's a lot more home runs uh, a lot more hitters swinging for the fences and a ton more strikeouts uh velocities are much higher than they used to be you know everybody's looking at spin rates and like you said before analytics you and i are probably more on the old school side of things but uh there's a whole uh, generation now of people that are looking very closely at the analytics. So where do you think the game is headed? What are some of the areas that you think need to be improved? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think uh, aesthetically, when I grew up, I mean, you'd, you'd see games in two and a half hours and a lot more first pitch swinging. And I just think, you know, I think there is a place for analytics, certainly. Uh, could you argue that it maybe it's tilted too much? In that direction, I don't think you'd be alone if you suggested that. But I think usually the game of baseball, look, it survived a long time, and, and uh, you know, they'll find a, a sense of equilibrium. Sometimes these things are a bit cyclical. And, you know, as I mentioned, you get teams like the Giants or the Nationals a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, everybody was talking about young players, and the Nationals had a bunch of guys in their thirties and won a world series. So, uh, I think if teams have success that aren't necessarily going along with the, you know, the way everybody else does it, then maybe that's an incentive for other teams to maybe zag a little bit when everybody else is zigging. So, uh, (laughs) you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I've been around baseball and you have long enough too to know that, you know, things don't stay the same forever. So I guess we'll see, over the next few years, how this thing shakes out and, and how some of these, uh, you know, ways of playing the game might, might change back again. 
with the shift, some people say that, hey, the hitters need to make an adjustment on that. But I don't think it's that easy. I mean, I've heard some hitters talk about that. I mean, you've got a 95, 98-mile-an-hour fastball coming. It's not the easiest thing to just, if you're a left-handed hitter, just try to place it inside the third baseline when they have the shift on you. So, you know, how much of a challenge is it for these hitters now? I mean, the analytics are telling the defense exactly where to play them. Yeah, I mean, somebody throws a 96-mile-an-hour cutter right in on your hands or something, and, you know, if, if you're pitching a certain way, it is hard. And I know I hear people say, well, just drop a bunt down. Well, that doesn't mean the next time they're not going to shift you. So uh, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting. I think when you talk, I, I did stories on this, you know, when I was at ESPN talking to some of these guys about the view from the batter's box and I do think everything uh, for all of us looks a little bit easier uh, when, when you're sitting in front of your TV or up in the press box and when you're actually down in the batter's box uh, right yeah. so uh, uh, I, I do think that um, look these are all things that have to be debated and I think hopefully the you know I, I think the players obviously you want to have a, a major voice in these things because you know, they have more of a stake than anyone in the game, you know, being uh, the best it can be. So, you know, we'll see how a lot of these issues shake out moving forward. But there are certainly things that uh, baseball is going to, you know, confront and and everybody's going to have to have a nice dialogue about. Last thing before I let you go, Jerry, Uh, you know, with COVID, it was tough, I think, for reporters because really you're only getting to talk to players over a Zoom call, and it's just not the same. Where do you think we are headed in that area? Because as we get out of a, a COVID situation, uh, how much would you like to see it kind of go back to the way it was? I mean, because the way baseball is, it's a daily sport, and for reporters to be able to get those stories, it, those human interest stories really make it interesting, I would think. Yeah, I mean, that certainly hits close to home for me. I, I was a writer who always liked to engage with players. And I think, look, the more you can show players – personalities and let people see them as human beings. I mean, I think that's good for baseball. Um, You know, obviously with COVID, there's a lot of challenges that have to be encountered that are unprecedented. There's no real roadmap for this thing. So I do know that it's something that I think everybody is cognizant of. I know my friends in the baseball writing community, you know, want to get back to talking to players and, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to come up with, uh, with uh, you know, some arrangements that are beneficial for everyone, obviously. With, uh, with COVID, there's, you know, the health issues. But, you know, you do want, you don't want to get into this all Zoom environment, I think, where you just can't tell these individual stories. So along with many other issues, I think this is something that's just going to have to unfold over the next few months and, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. But first we have to get past the COVID, and then we have to kind of figure out the, the dynamic uh, between the media and, and the ball players. Sure. And by the way, uh, this National League West, <laughs> pretty exciting stuff, right? I mean, this is going to go right down to the wire with the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. Yeah, I was just looking, and, you know, I you always look at run differential, and I think what the Dodgers are first Giants are second and the Padres are third in the league and maybe only Houston is better in the big league so you know these teams over time we're talking 
you know, 110 games into the season. So it's, uh, and as we saw at the trade deadline, they're all competing, and that's, uh, that's the best thing you can have, you know, when teams are going out there and aggressively trying to upgrade their rosters and, and really trying to compete. So um, it's, you know, <laughs> might be the place to be in MLB right now, you know, to see how that race shakes out over the last couple months. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, thanks so much for your time. Uh, hopefully I'll see you out here in San Francisco sometime soon. And uh, good luck with the job. I, I hope that everything uh, works out great for you. Thanks, Joe. That's Jerry Krasnick, Senior Advisor to the Major League Baseball Players Association. Join us again next week. George Contos will be back here on Inside China Basin. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network and thesportsvirus.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.